This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm your inner dream monologue, and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Hey, movie fans. Dimitri here. Popcorn Talk Network's Anatomy of a Movie, where today we try to figure out if remaking a French film has any upside. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Well, Happy New Year, movie fans. Yes, Anatomy of a Movie has been on hiatus, but we are back, and that's the upside. <laughs> so, and and being that we are back, it's our first Anatomy of a Movie of 2019. Allow me to give great introduction to Marissa Serafini. Hey. Hello, everyone. Hello, Dimitri. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy post-holidays. Happy post-holidays. New Year. Yeah, how are you? I haven't seen you since well before the holidays. We haven't seen each other in a while, actually. It's been a lot. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been a great show. And we have also doing our ones and zeros. Juliet in the booth. Hello. Happy New Year to you. Hi, guys. I've missed you all. I'm so excited to be back with you. Yeah, she missed us like the flu. But uh, <laughs> it's really great to have you back here. Uh, back with us as well. And and and, uh, and plus you're going to... Uh, she Juliet has a... Other, other than doing the fine engineering on the show, she is uh, the one of our panel today that's actually seen the original film... I defer to you to to say what it is, the French film. Come on, Dimitri. No, I no, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go oh, wait, wait, wait. Here we go. Here we go. Untouchable. Bravo. Exactly. Untouchables. Yes. So, <laughs> so it, she's actually seen the French film. This is this is sort of kind of a weird thing. So it's based on a true story, mm-hmm. right? So we see so many movies that are based on true stories, right? But this is a based on a true story remake of a French film. Yeah, true so, story. <laughs> that's a true story. So, um, and the movie itself is called The Upside, uh, which has a really kind of odd pairing, you would think, uh, from the outset. Unlikely of, pairing. Uh, unlikely, um, yeah. uh, unlikely pairing of Kevin Hart with Brian Cranston, and then you throw Nicole Kidman into this mix as well. So, uh, as we always begin the show, we start off with our opinions, and I defer to you, Miss Marissa. Ladies first, as always. All right. So I'll be honest that in for <clears throat> any of our like longtime listeners and fans, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Kevin Hart. I've had my moments where I've just like gone off on Kevin Hart. So I had my apprehensions of going into this film, knowing that he was in it, um, and I was actually thoroughly surprised. Like he gave a good performance. He had his 
comedy, comedic jokes in between that it was like I felt more Kevin Hart rather than the character. Um, but overall, a very tolerable performance. One of the better performances I've actually seen from him. Brian Cranston and Nicole Kidman, they're just amazing as always. So I knew they weren't going to be an issue. But overall, it was a very touching story, very endearing. I, I like whenever you have an unlikely pairing, you know something you have to break through those boundaries and those barriers and then like slowly become friends and build that relationship sure. so those those are always fun stories to follow because right. you get attached to these people and you start caring about them especially when they're together when they're apart and it had those same beats of a, an unlikely duo friendship like i think the last one that we discovered was green book was very right. very unlikely pairing together but eventually they had to break through those boundaries and become friends and so it's not the first time you've seen it, right. but I think it definitely covers all the beats in that type of storyline mm-hmm. that you would expect it. Yeah. Not very um, original per se, but enjoyable. Sure. You know, it's interesting that you said yeah, we've seen this and it's, it, I, I, I am happy that you mentioned Green Book because I was thinking Green Book about uh, while watching this. Um, and, and yet this movie had sort of kind of that 80s feel like if this movie were done in the 80s, it would have been like Jack Lemon and like Eddie Murphy. Right. Yeah. And but the movie still it had this generic feel to it. And what I found, I really did actually appreciate the pairing of Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart. And I agree with you. I, too, am not the biggest Kevin Hart fan. Right. But I agree with you in that I think this is probably his finest performance uh, going in. He was able to rein it in. He was able to deliver drama and comedy fairly well. Mm -hmm. He was able to go with Brian Cranston. I thought that pairing really worked. And when you throw Nicole Kidman into the cast, she rounded out that that she rounded out the cast quite nicely. And I wish the movie itself, like, was able to live up to the actors and give them more respect because I really did enjoy watching them. But I found that this movie was very rote and and kind of just generic. It was it was a movie. I it by was no original. Means, yeah. yeah, I by by no means did I dislike it. I didn't have a miserable time while I was in the theater watching it. But at the end of the day. It was just a movie that was up on screen, <laughs> and I walked out, and and that was it. Um, so so, and then when you compare it to Green Book, which has everything going for it, in my opinion, that you had fantastic casting, you had mm-hmm. two solid performances, and you had this very a real life odd couple taking this journey, and it that movie hits all its beats. Some of its criticism for Green Book is similar to this movie that, well, it's a little bit predictable. We've seen this before. But right. I couldn't help but think of how much better Green Book was from right. a crowd-pleasing movie as well. So in the third act, I think, in The Upside, really was sort of kind of just went – it was it was kind of tapered mess. off. Yeah. Yeah, it tapered off. It lost momentum it for did. a good it's a good, yeah. a good solid twenty minutes of lost momentum. Yeah, it was a, f- yeah, it was just went, it was kind of lazy writing, uh, as mm-hmm. to how we got to there and how characters and you know. So we'll get it into that. It was one of those things that's like easily fade to black. All right, when we open up on our next scene, 
we as the audience have to figure out how much time has passed. That that's and, the whole thing. And that our whole I judgment of that was like, Brian Cranston's oh, beard, right? <laughs> and like, that's the only visual indication of how much time has passed. I don't because I'm not a man. <laughs> I, like I don't know how much hair grows in a beard form. I, how, how much time passes but, for that? But it juxtaposed a person opening up an entire business. Yeah. Like, which doesn't happen overnight. And moving. And, right. And yeah, yeah. There was a lot that, that, that was left to be desired in tightening up the end. So, now, Juliet, you have seen the original. I would like a take, um, since we just, you know, gave our opinions on this remake, this American remake. I want your take on, well, you, you, if I recall our conversation, you said you loved it. So, tell us about the original. Oh, I love the original, I, and so much so that I haven't seen this remake. I, I want to because I am hearing good things. It's tough, though, when you really love a movie and you see someone just kind of take it over. You have to trust the filmmakers. But from the trailer, and honestly from your conversation, I'm just a little nervous that they made it very Hollywood and this very Hollywood story. Uh, you're talking about him opening up a business. That doesn't even happen in the movie. The original movie is really about this relationship and how these two men are helping each other. One's really struggling because of his just, you know, his state and being living in the ghetto. And then he gets to be living in this super, super fancy home. And he sees someone who has handicaps, but he's the first person who actually sees him. And it's just a really human story. Mm -hmm. And yes, and it kind of ends on a note where it is a happy note, but it's not... um, there's no opening up a business and like everything's great, very Hollywood happy movie. You know what I mean? It's it seems a little bit more realistic. Okay. And okay. I do have to say the original. So this was uh, based on a book from a true story. Yes. Even in this, in the French version of the movie, they changed up a few things to make it again in a long feature film, which has to happen. Um, mainly the the main character. In real life, is not uh, African French African. He is, uh, he is, I think Algerian or Moroccan. So okay. that's already that. But um, here in the American version, they decided to stick with that, and that's why they hired Kevin Hart. So, you know, to each their own. Adapted, you know, is always a hard thing. And Marissa, I'm sure you can speak more on that because she has a show on Popcorn talk about mm-hmm. just adapting um, movies and books and things of that nature. And I have to ask you, because this film, for the American version, there were a lot of comedic moments in between. Was Antouchable more (laughs) just like straight drama? No, I think that's one of the reasons people really love this movie. It's a movie that really does make you laugh and smile. And no, there are a lot of very funny moments. And mainly those funny moments were driven by the main character who just had no filter and was just, you know, everything that he saw kind of just said it out loud. And it was always very funny. And it was also funny to just kind of criticize French society and how there's very rich people and very, you know, poor people. And that's mm-hmm. some, something that we see kind of everywhere. And that was it, driven a lot of the humor. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that, too, because I had I'd seen this movie a few weeks ago. So um, you bringing up how it how it tried to uh put French society through a looking glass. This is one of the aspects of the upside that I actually thought sort of kind of failed. They were bringing characters in like the neighbor um, who they were setting up as a villain kind of right. But nothing really happened with that. And you, you thought that they were going to go play this, like, you know, having this African American man, come into this posh, I mean, exclusive 
apartment complex in Manhattan. Uh, and and you thought that there was going to be some more play there, but nothing really developed. I mean, there was a bit of a funny punchline about selling art to that neighbor, but nothing really happened there, even though they set it up for him to be right. like... It's, it's know, more like, so like the neighbor, as big of a douchebag he right. was, he still succumbed to like... <clears throat> Uh, Philip and his ability and like still gave in, still gave money. So you're like, you're still a fool. Yeah. And you're a douche. Yeah. And and so and, I had hoped that there was maybe, you know, because there were perfect opportunities in the upside in order to do that and to showcase that, that, that high class, low class, middle class kind of schism. Um, and I and I and I felt it could have been a smarter script that way, uh, but we never really, you know, really get it too much, uh, Juliet, in this American version. However, if you were to see the American version, I don't think you'd walk out being disgusted. No. It, it's, it's a good way to kill an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah, I mean, you'll a, laugh. That's good, yeah. that, that's good to hear. And just, again, I, I haven't seen it, but hearing what you're saying about the neighbor, that's a funny, that's a really funny point in the, in the French version, but it only comes back, I believe, twice. We only meet the neighbor once because he has his car parked uh, outside the entrance uh-huh. and uh, they just are trying to get the car out and he was like, why is he parked here? He goes, oh, he does that sometimes. And the main character goes out and he, kinda, he doesn't beat him up but he roughs him up he's like what does the sign say and he, ha- he holds him super close to the sign he goes no parking so don't park here again and it's just it's a really funny exchange and that's kind of it so it's funny that they kind of hold on to these characters and maybe develop them a little bit more sure and maybe you saying that that falls flat sure i think they're trying to sometimes it's hard to translate a joke and yeah. you know translate a culture and how things are funny and you know in one culture and not in the right. other so maybe they stuck a little bit too much to that storyline right. and i think with the, the neighbor like as much as a D-bag he was, uh, he did play a part because Dell ultimately got the $50,000. <laughs> you know, True. So he was it, duped into buying, you know, yeah, Dell also, art. Yeah. And it also kind of shows just the kind of businessman that Philip sure. is. He's so good at selling literally a piece of junk for $50,000. That's yeah. why he's so rich, because he can talk people's sure. ears off sure. to, and convince them to sell something yeah. or buy something. Yeah. And I think that really just shows, like, the the talent of Philip just as a businessman. Right. And you understand why he was so successful You understand, Yeah, you you do understand through Philip, through uh, his character, through Nicole Kidman, you understand how he became who he is, uh, how he became so rich mm-hmm. uh, in making great business decisions. Um, he kind of reminded me of... The gentleman that's on, um, like, what is it, the MSNBC show, the guy that goes in and fixes businesses. It's a television series. So the the premise of the series is this guy will go in and fix failing businesses. And he, Philip reminded me of that because he was very, very keen to that in coming up with the idea. And I liked, that was part of the relationship that I liked between Dell and Philip was like, you got to come up with an idea. Give me some ideas and I'll help you like develop them. Uh, that are actually like fruitful. Yes. And Successful right. businesses that can flourish. Yes. So, uh, and you can tell uh, that he had a, a modicum of success uh, being, uh, being the suite that they had mm-hmm. in Manhattan. That was a 
beautiful apartment. And we can get into the production design on that because it was a, it wasn't an apartment, but it was a set. But it was pretty cool. It's gorgeous set. <laughs> it's pretty I would gorgeous. want to live on that set because yeah, that wouldn't? set is better than like anybody's regular house. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but let's talk a little bit about Brian Cranston. Let's talk about um, playing the part. Playing the part. Uh, this is something that 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 Cranston had really never done. And he took it as a challenge, and it was a hard challenge uh, for him, being playing a quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was said that he's an actor that is physical as well as you know his vocal. And when you take away a weapon, which is the physical aspect, he can't move. He said right. he had to almost he had to learn um, like how to really communicate better. And how to have the rapport with Dell, um, played okay. by Kevin Hart. He's uh, a v- very well, well spoken. Oh yes. individual. <laughs> He's very unique, and like you can pick educated. His voice. Yeah, likes yeah. the opera. Sure, know, and Cranston himself has. If you had your eyes closed, you can tell who's speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, so he has a very unique delivery. I, I thought he did a really good job. I really did. Um, I got every bit of emotion. Uh, I liked the fact as to his motivation for picking Dell, <laughs> more or less to pick off right. Nicole, you know, piss off Nicole Kidman. Because you but, know, we as the audience were having the same question. You see all these other right. candidates who are so clearly more qualified, and but you wonder why the, he picked Kevin, and then or Kevin, but like actual Dell. And I think they they actually really hit it really quickly, but we understand that he he is the guy who wouldn't take the necessary charges, you know, extra, no. extra steps if something emergency did happen. Yeah, and Cranston, and you're like, that's actually terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, you're like, I'm gonna pick you because you're more likely to not do what you should be doing. Right. And it also, well, it it in a sense too, it puts the audience in a frame in a, in a similar frame of mind. Like we understand where that character is coming from mm-hmm. f- as far as depression goes, as far as his thoughts on, on future life, you know, for that matter. He wasn't really thinking about his future. No. And he was it, okay if he died the, it, within an hour. And the relation, well, you know, the no resuscitation, Yeah, uh, the 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 relationships that he may have had even with his previous caretaker, like you just wonder, what was it? Was that person just there to take care of him? There was mm-hmm. no social, um, th- th- there was no social interaction. It didn't seem the only person that he had anything that he was close to was Nicole Kidman, and both those characters sort of shrugged off any kind of relationship. Where we as the audience right, in like, doubt, there's something there. There's something yeah. like. Even if they're they're so in denial, we're like we wouldn't mind it if you two got together. No, because it's believable. It's actually Extreme. very believable. I found There's a mutual that respect too. there. There's a mutual like good relationship and loyalty that she definitely had towards him even before he was a quadriplegic. So it's like you can tell that they already had a very strong friendship relationship before all this happened. And we just say a maturity. Yeah. Uh, as well between the two characters and they each knew each other. So, you know, so Cranston um, was really interesting for, for, for part of his uh, research. Um, they actually 
he actually sat and talked to now you can help me out with this Felipe Pozo di Borgo or Borgo the oh, act- you got it. You got it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the actual uh, person in which the story is based. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he talked about the major emotional impact uh, on Cranston as he focused on his emotional, uh, on De Borgo's emotional trials, which is very important. Depths of depression. Poof. Yeah. yeah. Which you can understand, right? Yeah, and also they—I don't know if they talked about this—the uh, the phantom pain and just just waking up in the yes. middle of the night and just sweats and just just not being able to move your body and how much that creates anxiety because you you go in deep sleep and you forget and then you just you, you're just not in control and that was a very crucial part of the movie. As a matter of fact, they do touch upon that in this mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. Um, but 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 Cranston being Cranston went further and he actually uh, uh, visited for a former football player, Eric Legrand. Uh, who was paralyzed in 2010 while playing football at Rutgers, and he he spoke they, they spoke at length about his experiences, and he observed him during the physical therapy aspect of of it all. Um, so, and that really helped uh, Cranston be better accustomed to being in that chair and or being picked up. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there were many of those scenes too that we take. For granted, when picking him up and putting somebody in the chair, it's like strap, strap, strap. Because Gotta always buckle him. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. there were things like that that you get. Oh, yeah. Of course, that would be important. <laughs> don't don't want to yeah. fall out of the chair. Just to sit in a chair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what did you think about Cranston's performance? Uh, in this movie, I thought he was great. I mean, the only really experience that I've had with. Brian Cranston watching him and his work is just really in the films. I haven't watched him, sorry. I did not watch Breaking Bad. I was not one of those people. Um, or Malcolm in the Middle. So I really only have seen him in films. And I think he's a very solid actor. And I look in, I've seen other actors who've had to, who aren't paralyzed, but had to play characters that are. And they always say it is a physical struggle. And uh, Brian Cranston said um, his approach was that at first he had a lot of anxiety because he got too tense because mm-hmm. he, he was consciously, like, trying to not stop his, his body. Right. And then he realized, like, the better approach was actually to be more zen-like. Right. So he went the opposite approach and then realized he can only use his head. And that right. it relaxed his body to the point where he wasn't moving. And that type of relaxation. You know, so, and it was very believable. It w- Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the relaxed because his performance seemed relaxed Hmm. you know using his facial features doing what he did it didn't seem well number one it seemed as if you were playing a man that had been in that wheelchair for some time right so when it came time for drinking and using the sippy like a sippy straw uh it it was you're right it felt natural and he didn't play the role with any any uh any subject of, of disrespect no. to it. He really, I thought, he he did a really good job. Yeah, he, he definitely acted through the face and, like, facial features, oh. especially, you know, the scene where Dell's, like, throwing everything, and that's, like, physical. Mm-hmm. Dell's doing the physical reactions of what Philip would be doing right. if he could move. Right. And uh, we, we saw that. We saw the, the motions 
um, like just the wave of in and out emotions of anger to frustration sure. to even like laughing at the end of that. We we saw those emotional rides right um, within just a couple minutes, yeah, just in the face. And so like that's a really strong attribute to have as an yeah. actor if you can act with just your head. What we mm-hmm. could do, and we yeah. saw that. And 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 we also to throw these characters into these roles, um, you know, Brian and Kevin. Uh, went to, like, the Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation in New Jersey, uh, the Maddie Rehabilitation Hospital in Philadelphia, to get a feel. I mean, if these two... And this is the other thing that I, you know, that the movie succeeds in is building building the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. You could have gone... Like, this is the type of movie that could have gone a little bit farther. Like, they could have made the whole rehabilitation Kevin Hart cater to more Kevin Hart type comedy which you brought up earlier could have been more slapstick but they right. really didn't they yes the catheter joke goes on okay right I get that, it. that was probably I was like okay we get it right a little too long but the getting him into a chair or getting him into bed um it's it's funny because it's out of Dell's wheelhouse but Dell did take it seriously. It wasn't like, you know, you drop him and he's like, oh, oh, whoopsie. It was done really well. And I felt that their research probably helped build that bond, you know, because if you're working together. There's a physical bond. Too. Yeah, there like has to be. Physically lifting him up. Yeah. Know? He physically has to support and him, it's, let alone emotionally. No pun intended. It's dead weight. Yeah. And. He had to do that, and Kevin Hart's not a big guy. No, I've I've actually stood physically have stood next to Kevin Hart, and he's shorter than I am, and I'm a short person. Like, Kevin, <laughs> Come so on. when Kevin I mean, Hart no is shorter than you. me, yeah, no, 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 no. seriously, he's short, and I'm, I'm like I'm taller than him. So yeah, yeah, true story. <laughs> so and for Kevin Hart uh, taking this role, um, well, number one, he really wanted it because it would expand his acting chops and he he saw that in the script and i do think it was a good decision for him to take it isn't well it's not like any other performance that we've seen kevin hart in it's you know he just recently came out with uh in night school which is more of his comedic kind of uh-huh. comedy movie in this Didn't movie he's you know he has to play in the dramatic and i guess going into it too you just sort of kind of wonder, can he pull it off? And I think for this movie, he did. Yeah. did. And see, and that's the thing. Like, I feel Kevin Hart's usual performances is over the top. Sure. It's over the top, and I think it's a conversation to kind of, like, have a bigger personality than his physical self. Right. Like, and I, I definitely get that. And so what I actually enjoyed about his performance is, like, it was dialed back yeah. to a point where it was tolerable. You Like, no one's going to get in annoyed by you in the first 10 minutes because his act is over in 10 minutes and you're like okay laugh here laugh there got it done move on but uh and i think that's the thing like when he dialed it back that makes it more enjoyable yeah i i I found him like i said i think it's probably the finest performance in his career as of now uh like i said i wish the script was a little bit better but i thought he was really good and and the crazy thing about this movie is so you ha- we were talking about brian cranston right and then you have nicole kidman who like nicole kidman has had this she she seems to be in almost every movie now 
Um, but she was in every movie 10 years ago as well. Yeah. Like, Nicole Kidman is literally one of the top actresses to this day. To the day, right. And so, Nicole Kidman, Brian Cranston, and then you're throwing in Kevin Hart. It's like, how's this trio going to work? They See, worked. Yeah, and that was also what I was thinking. I was like, I think Kevin's performance was elevated because he was surrounded by better actors. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like when you have to play tennis with pros or, right. you like, or, or anybody, whatever, you know, metaphor you want to use. When you're thrown in with people who are better at acting than you are, you have to kind of like rise to that, right. to that level. And I think that's what Brian Cranston won so many Emmys. Nicole Kimmon has won Emmys and Academy Awards. So like when you're in a, a pool of more talented or better talented right. actors, like you kind of have to rise to that channel or you're just going to look like you. Absolutely. Look terrible. Absolutely. And I think that's what helped when, because Kevin was surrounded by better actors. Sure, sure. And I think um, you know when you when you look at these three people and you're throwing them together, you said that's unlikely, but it works. And I think not one of them, like not like your your top tier performers here, Nicole Kidman, Brian Cranston, not one of them phoned in this performance. At all. No. You know, they really, you can tell that they took a liking to the material that they were playing. And, you know, when they were trying to cast Yvonne here, they were looking for an actress who wouldn't overplay the role to allow, like, some of that mystery. Even though as an audience, we kind of wanted them to be together right? because they seem good for each other. And, and Jessica Chastain and Michelle Williams, both amazing actresses Absolutely. in and of their own selves. Uh, I think <clears throat> they, they were actually originally like considered for the role and I would have been fine with them too. I would have, I would have too. And think about this too. That role is like the third, I like guess a supporting role. I mean, you yeah. could say she's best not actress, lead, but, but she, it's not. But she had great moments that brought yes. that still brought Philip back to it, like drama, like grounded every situation. It would get like maybe too funny or like too comedic, especially with the catheter scene. And then you see Yvonne. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like she always brought everything back down to earth. Yeah, in a good way. And I just want to talk about like you know when you have that caliber of an actress, right? And you're going to this person and going, well, I'm the lead? Well, yeah, you are the actress, but your role is really a support to these two guys. And sometimes ego can get in the way of that, but not here. Not here at all. And she played with, she played really well with the boys. One of my favorite scenes, I think, with Nicole Kidman was at the party. When when Dell convinced her get up and dance, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I thought, and that was a that was like an ice breaking moment for those two characters too. I really believe, um, but it was yeah. a great, it was a nice scene. It, it definitely was a nice scene, a nice moment for her character because throughout the entire film, she's the serious one, and right. like someone has to be, and I I totally get it. And she's she's not serious in a bad way. It's just like she has to be the serious one and like bring you know, gravity to the situation. Yeah. I'm like, she, she's always the reminder, like, you can't do this. You can't right. do that. Um, in, a, in a good way. So, like, so she's naturally tense. Uh, agreed. And you knew that you had to, again, even with her, you had to kind of, like, shed those layers. Right. Because underneath, you know, she she's a fairly good person who is just looking out for the well-being of Philip. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I want to talk a little bit. I want to go into the, the production of this movie because... It has somewhat of a 
that has somewhat of a tale. Um, yes. Being number one, this movie was made about two years ago. <laughs> and yeah it's, um, yeah, it's been completed for a while. Yeah, and, you know, which has to be hard if you're doing any publicity. Because mm-hmm. depending on how many movies you've done since that, and your other movies have come out before this movie. But unfortunately, this movie got wrapped up in being part of the Weinstein company. Harvey Weinstein Harvey, scandal. You know, the scandal, the sell-off, what's going to happen. Um, so it took... Got stuck in the middle. Got <laughs> stuck, yeah. It, got, it definitely got stuck in a crock. Mm-hmm. Like, what are they going to do? And And... It could have almost not seen the light of a silver screen, maybe just sold off some for a streaming service or something. But it, it literally took about two years, and STX um, picked it up. It was a distribution deal, yeah. Um, which is ironic for STX, being that they are a motion picture studio uh, who does productions, um, and yet it was a distribution deal that gives them their first number one movie in all of their i think their two three year history yeah (laughs) right now but uh to go through all that it makes me wonder and it had a rebranding of weinstein lantern entertainment sure so there was a whole like rebranding of another company that helped produce this film as well oh yeah wine yeah the weinstein name is not there at all that i can recall well, actually, I saw it at the beginning credits. It, it said Lantern Entertainment, but underneath the, the little text, it said a Weinstein company. Right. I'm like, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it is interesting. You know, I mean, listen, not that I, you know, I didn't love this movie, but I'm glad people felt, hey, you know what? People should at least see their performances here. Right. They're good enough. And, you know, it's, it's the story. It's release date, I think, is a really solid release date. So uh, we were just watching a little bit of, of, of Kevin Hart and Nicole Kidman. Uh, <laughs> looks like behind the scenes. You could tell that this cast They enjoyed being with each other. And uh, Brian Cranston even said about Nicole Kidman in between takes and stuff, you would expect because she's such a like a high caliber actress that she would like stay in her roles. I was like, no, she was Jack. Uh, she was joking around. She She was, you know having funny moments with the cast and she was sweet and, and, and like all these moments where she was like, she was just like a really nice person offset. I was like, yes, yeah, that's Nicole Kidman. Yeah. It did look her. like they bonded together really well. Yeah. So that you felt that after they said cut, there was still a good relationship there that they all respected one another. Yeah. You know, so fun. which is really, really interesting. So yeah, it took about two years for this movie uh, to make it to uh, the American big screen, um, so we, we, which I found very fascinating, and that's what happens when there's scandal in Hollywood. Uh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> some some product. It makes me wonder what other product are we not getting? Like, could there yeah, be another? I gem? feel there's probably at least five to ten more Weinstein films probably shelled right now. Yeah, that they had to like try to sell off. So. Um, what is there anything that you'd like to add regarding production wise before we go into a little production design wise? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was gonna just go with the production design. Sure, but um, the last thing about the production was just this because you said uh, it's been done for a while now. It actually had its 
world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival, so TIFF, back in September 2017. So a year and a half has already passed. Yep. And like even before that, it was fully completed, before I even did the festival. Sure. Yeah. So that's a lot of time in film. It is. A lot of it's time. It's a lot of time on a shelf. Right. You know. And I think even at that time, like Nicole Kimmon wasn't as big in television yet. True. Um, because Big Little Lies like just came out a couple months after that. Yeah. And and then she got the um, recognition for the t- television screen as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was already an Academy Award winner, you know, through yeah. and through. But now she's getting like the Emmy Awards for right. for Big Little Lies. Yeah. I mean, she's just she can do everything. So. Yeah, she's definitely having a wonderful renaissance of a career by right. by by being uh, television, uh, film. She was in Aquaman, which is like one of the highest grossing movies, especially for DC all over the world. Yeah, she's, uh, she's actually in the upside. She, she's she in just Destroyer. broke a record, actually, or like a, she just set another record or equal record, really, where she's the only actress to be in the same film that's number one and two in America. Um, so for national. Uh, with Aquaman and the, and then the upside, and the only other actress to do that is Jessica Chastain. <laughs> yeah, for Mama and uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Oh wow, Mama! Yeah, Mama Lucian. <laughs> yeah, but also Jessica Chastain was in yeah. consideration for this yeah. role. So. I actually, I'm, I love Jessica Chastain love too. But I, I can't see after watching this. I can't see any any other actor. Playing Nicole Kidman, playing yeah, Yvonne. I think she, she did it just. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I really. Yeah, believable. So, so earlier we're mentioning uh, Weinstein movies that are being shelved currently. Yes, there's uh, quite a few. There's one, The Current War, which is a historical drama starring Ben Benedict Cumberbatch. 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 Cumberbatch yep. Uh, who plays Thomas Edison? Uh, that w- and it was previously oh yeah as an Oscar contender. Uh, got, was it the Toronto International right. Festival that's being shelved for now? Mary Magdalene is a religious yep. drama that's being shelved for now as well. Uh, and then The Upside, but that obviously just premiered. So there's still hope because The Upside was part of that list of movies. So it's not lost, but there's, yeah, there's definitely some movies that w- they don't know what to do with. They don't have enough uh, funding to distribute because there's a lot of rebranding that goes, as you guys mentioned. Right. Right. So, yeah, there's it's crazy to think that there's so many movies that so many cast and crews have been paid so much time, so much energy. There's finished product out there that mm-hmm. just is not being seen to the public, which is a very crazy. It yeah, is. Thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate your research on that. And and to your point, it it. You know, they're just awaiting a sale. It's a waiting uh, game. You know, get, getting another distributor um, to pick it up. Uh, you know, Paddington 2 was caught in that crossfire and, and ended up film. being <laughs> sold to Warner Brothers. But at the time, everything happened so fast that, you know, I, no disrespect, but Warner Brothers just released it. So there wasn't that much fanfare as good as a movie as it is, it didn't do as well as it probably should have. Um, where with uh, with the upside, when you look at the marketing strategy on this, um, they really did put together a good package for marketing. They had a good trailer. They had a decent poster, a theatrical poster. They did a good job. Their television spots showcased the Cranston um, heart relationships. And, I saw this trailer a lot. Up. 
Yeah. And I think it does help when you have leading actors such as Brian Cranston and Nicole Kidman that actually have yeah. weight to the film. Yeah, and Kevin Hart right now is riding like a pretty decent Comedy wave, wave. Uh, where where you know he crosses over whether he's in Jumanji or whether he's in a movie with The Rock or whether he's in Night School uh, with Tiffany Haddish, and now you pair him with Brian Cranston. Uh, that opens up a whole door. I know when I saw this movie, and again, it was a couple of weeks ago, I went on a Thursday preview night. It was a little, it was more crowded than I thought it was going to be. Um, and people generally, they seem to tend to really like, uh, you know, enjoy the movie. Right. And this, this is, whole, sorry, Marissa. Oh, do you no, think this whole scandal with the, the Oscars is going to really be an issue when it comes to viewership with this movie because of the whole Kevin Hart uh, issues? No, it yeah. didn't seem to. I, I mean, it didn't seem to be because it was number one. It was number one at the box office and that scandal, I, it didn't really seem to hinder. Um, look, if it were a more of a mainstream, like really catering to the African-American audience, like, look, he just had night school, which did pretty well. So this wasn't night school, and I think you got a, a really – not only did you get a crossover between, like, white, African-American, but I think it skewed a little older. You weren't getting yeah. a younger audience to go see the upside as much, so – I think it did well. Right. And also to for the Academy Awards, it's not going to get nominated for anything for Academy Awards. Yeah. Like, I mean, it won't And get... it's, it came out, well, uh, there are actually a lot of films that are still coming out that are getting like Academy Award recognition. But this one is certainly not within the echelon that is Academy Award. Well, yeah. I think, well, correct me if I'm wrong, because maybe I could have just completely misinterpreted what you were going for. But you were going about the Kevin Hart controversy, being a host. Uh, the controversy about texts but not I, being a host. I don't yeah, think that in was fairness, gonna, I was damn. seeing trailers to this film before the have Kevin Hart oh, yeah. tweet scandals. Absolutely. So I don't. Oh think yes, so. definitely. But you know how people are kind of going hard at him. I just I'm, right. I'm wondering if you have any insight on whether or not this is going to affect people going to the movie theaters because some people are very upset with him. I don't know if rightfully so or not. I don't know where anyone stands on the panel about this issue, but I mean, I think it's worth bringing up. Yeah, I mean, I've, I I've made my bones about how much I dislike Kevin Hart. Go watch our pets. Review. Oh, God. That was awful. It was painful, really. So, like, like I personally don't like him as as an actor, and I've I've clearly said it, but I am definitely open and willing to tell people, go see The Upside, because he's actually fairly decent in this film. Well, you know, let's, since you brought it up, let's take a look, let's take a look at the, um, let's take a look at the grosses for this, for... Let's go there for a second. So it's opening weekend um, going on just over 3,000 locations. It opened up at number one. Now, it was really interesting because going into this, um, everybody really was thinking that Aquaman was going to reclaim the top spot yet again. Um, And I think it would have been like the third week or so, fourth week for Aquaman. Mm -hmm. Um, And the upside really wasn't, tracking tremendously tremendously so people the prognosticators going into that week or the the, the release day week which was uh, january 11th mm-hmm. so going into january 11th people were thinking aquaman would most likely be number one this movie is going to capture number two and that's not how it panned out 
And the upside overtook Aquaman, albeit in its third or fourth week. But still, this is a smaller movie. But to dethrone Aquaman, which is a DC film. Sure. And, and, well, and it really and, doesn't yeah. have any other big film going against it. Maybe Glass. Well, Glass, yeah, we'll we'll see how the upside fares in its second week. Yeah. But, you know, you are talking Warner Brothers. You're talking STX Entertainment, which is a much smaller, uh, they're more of an independent type of a studio. They're smaller. They don't have the budgets of Warner Brothers, let's say. So for STX, it was kind of a big win uh, to have a movie debut for them at number one, yeah. which you would think... At the beginning of the year, no less. At the beginning of the year, they their big success for STX was Bad Moms, which didn't open to number one. I love but Bad Moms. Bad Moms is a really good movie. <laughs> yeah. And since Bad Moms, though, STX has been trying to find... Another kind of a movie that would that audiences would embrace, and I think at least for this first week they found it. It did twenty uh, twenty million dollars on its opening weekend. People had it opening up between fifteen and maybe seventeen. Uh, domestically, right now we're looking at uh, it's done twenty six million, which isn't too shabby. Yeah, like twenty six point six. Yeah, it's not too shabby there. at all. Uh, foreign, it's you know the, obviously they haven't. 1.3. Gone completely wide. Yeah, so 1.3. So you're looking at almost $28 million. Look, the budget is 37.5. I think given word of mouth, um, and I still think that January is a great time to have released this movie. Because yeah, really there's nothing really big, no. per se, that's coming out no. to compete with. You know, outside of like Glass... Um, right. I forget what comes. Most out of next the Academy week. Award movies are have now or have been out They're for out. a little bit, and and the movie the upside is getting, you know, enough decent word of mouth um, that I don't think you know. To be honest, I don't think the controversy is dinging it too much. Uh, it really wouldn't have been number one had audiences not embraced it and had not a good portion of Kevin Hart's fan base had gone to represent. Yeah, I mean, listen, box office twenty three point four million. Yeah, the budget of thirty seven point five. I mean, it looks like they're going to be able to make profit off of that and take. The, you know, um, I'm looking at more numbers. Forty percent on Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, five point three uh, out of ten on IMDb, and ninety one percent liked uh, Google users. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I think the the main general audience is actually fairly enjoying it. Critics per se. It's, it's on the lower side, but the main general audience and cinema score is an A. Yeah, cinema score is an A, which is which is good. Um, a forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes is uh, it's okay. Rotten. Yeah, it's <laughs> not. Aren't critics always for, harsher than the general public? Yeah, for sure. Well, so yeah, I mean they can be. I mean it's it's this is. I mean Rotten Tomatoes isn't saying that it's like miserable if it was in the 20s or 30s that would be miserable. Audience is like there's definitely a schism there for sure. Um, you know, I am definitely not in the A category for this movie, but regardless, it could have been a lot worse. And as I said, for STX being a distribution deal, meaning, um, just, just, just quick distribution one-on-one, that means STX was paid a fee to release the movie. Mm -hmm. Like they don't have necessarily a stake in the movie. They were just given a a, a, a fee to, to do it. So, like, if the movie, if this movie continues to make money and a profit, 
STX, well, they already got their fee. Like, they're not going to get much richer off the movie other than what they were already paid. Um, there may be a bonus if the movie reaches, like, 50 or $100 million. Which but I don't, I don't think see it will. that's going to happen. Um, they're here. lucky if it'll cross 40 yeah, That's but being nice. for STX, it is a big deal to be number one at the box office. So that's their big acclaim to fame for this. So that was a really good question. And I think, um, you know, we shall see, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see yeah. what happens. And I think, um, so let's go back into the production a bit before we before we start wrapping up things. Because I really think that this movie, too, with its history, two years, um uh, the 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 um, the research that went into playing to playing these roles, um, but also as part of a character, the design, the suite, the yeah. the suite, this this apartment suite in Manhattan. Man, it was a gorgeous design. Oh my that god, that bathroom is better than like any house I've ever lived in. <laughs> the bathroom is bigger than the house I live in. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. And I got it was kind of funny that scene in the shower. Right, but yeah, I went a love, little too long. I would love like a shower like that. And why was it in German? <laughs> well, he it had he pressed German. It mm-hmm. had, uh, you know, like when you start was- your first start up your smartphone, it gives you the options of what language you want. He accidentally hit German. Uh, I, w- yeah. I wonder if it was just like a German architect, <laughs> like that, that kind of <laughs> architect of a bathroom. <laughs> I don't know. That was an awesome bathroom. That shower was, nice. was awesome. Was a nice shower. I would, I would like never leave. No. <laughs> but um, so 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 this penthouse, right? Um, there there were two directions that they had, and we had Mark Mark Friedberg, who's the production designer. Um, so the first was in line with the script: a penthouse at a famously elite seven hundred and forty Park Ave. The second pitch was for an extravagant Tribeca building. And at the end, the two decided on an apartment that would be at 740 Park, but decorated against traditional styles of the building instead of contemporary art and furniture. So this, to me, is crazy. They built it on a soundstage, um, 6,650 feet of interior space. Like that's Wow. A, that's like a full working set. a full set. building. Yeah. It's like walking into every day, going it's to work. It's a whole penthouse size. It's like, hey, I'm going to bed, guys. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap. I wonder how many break. production crew people like actually took naps on those beds. <clears throat> Probably everybody. Probably, yeah. Why wouldn't you? There, it was awesome. It was so nice. And even when it, like, from the beautiful kitchen to mm-hmm. to to when they had the party, uh, to the artwork on the walls, which were actually real artists and and also that's the thing it never felt too big and it never felt too small it, like every room served a certain purpose yeah like one room had the first edition books <clears throat> another room was his actual bedroom one was you know where Dell was living and and one was the office and it was like every room had like served a scene and it felt lived in and comfortable mm-hmm. without being overly pretentious right you know i mean like you We've seen in films and television shows when, like, when we go into rich people's penthouses and whatnot, it feels too rich. Like, Mm -hmm. it's too lavish that no one could ever afford it or let alone breathe the air in it and step in it. But this one felt like there was personality to it. And it was Philip's personality. Right. And Philip never, like, even if he had his faculties, 
Philip didn't seem to be a gentleman who um, uh, was predicated by pretentiousness. He, you know, as rich as he was, he knows business and he can talk business and art and opera. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seemed to be like if he could talk to a gentleman like Dell, learn that that is a that is a he's got a common ground with people, and his the apartment the way they designed it seemed to mirror that personality aspect of Phil. I felt absolutely it's comfortable. And really some, cool. and just the color scheme too. Some rooms were more s- sterile, sure, blue and gray, <clears throat> and with maybe a splash of red with the, sure. the mobile. Um, but others were like very warm and vibrant, yep. like the his library study room, mm-hmm. you know. So like the there, and it definitely served the different emotions that played in each yeah. scene. Yeah. So um, I really like that. Uh, I want to talk a little to. I want to talk about the ending because we talked about this. That to me, the third act was a little bit sort of wonky. It was seemed a little lazy. We talked about this time, and Juliet, I want you to chime in because. So we come to a point in the movie where they encourage Philip to date. Uh, and oh, that was a bad day. <laughs> well, it was. I, I that was, was a painful. Day. It was pain. It was very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I didn't expect the reaction that Philip gave to everybody else around. Like everybody took shrapnel, but yeah. especially Dell. So did they have a date in Del the, took in a the original? Fire. <laughs> he did. Um, yeah, actually, in the original, the it's a storyline that's actually rather important. He has a relationship with a woman already, but mm. it's only uh, epistola, which means it's only by written letters. So they write letters every yes. week or so. So, and Dell's the one who pushes him to meet this person and meet her in person. And there's a lot of funny jokes about it because she. Um, is from I think uh, I think either the south part of France or whatever, and so they're kind of always teasing that she. The reason he hasn't met her is because she's probably like either crazy or not really pretty, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's actually yeah he. I don't want to spoil it too much, but the, there it, he's pushing him. To well, you her. can you, okay. you, because you know the, the movie's been out. Well, that movie's been out for a while. This movie's been out for two weeks, okay. so we are very spoiler rich. So don't worry, okay. and we'll compare notes. Yeah, we can. yeah. Okay, awesome. He, um, yes, he pushes her. To, he pushes him to meet her, and they do have a, a a rendezvous. And he kind of gets in his own head, and he decides not to show up because he's very insecure with his whole uh, wheel. He stands her up. He stands her up, uh, but uh, there's there is a somewhat happy ending. So. Little, I, the reason I don't want to spoil the meat trees, and I honestly I love this movie so much. <laughs> I, want see, I want to see it. I want people to see it. I think right. it's very yeah. funny, and I, right. I think again, really a human story, well, and um, I really recommend. Well, it. let's break down that date right. with us because okay, so everything so in that this you're film, saying the date actually correct. happens, right? And and the date they were writing letters, mm-hmm. it was extremely romantic, and in a letter she had written her phone number, mm-hmm. and. Dell was like, she wrote a phone number because she's tired of writing (laughs) letters. We're in the 21st century. (laughs) Call her. So up to that point, Mm -hmm. uh, it it seems to go like the original, except they do have the date, Marissa. So. Juliana Margulies. I mean, another fantastic actress. A surprise, by the way. Also better than Kevin Hart. (laughs) 
won multiple Emmys. Yeah. Multiple, multiple. I can't even count how many Emmys she's won. I was like, so, hey, look who it is. So bring in another <clears throat> amazing actress with caliber. And, man, you can see the slow progression of that date. Slow, very painful progression of a train wreck of that what that date was. Because you can see, and also just added to the editing and the acting. Where yeah. you can tell physically in just Juliana Margulies' performance that she was not okay with this situation she she knew you like the audience knew that she was not a person that would have the patience to deal with philip's situation and you feel bad no. but that also doesn't make her a bad person either. no but it in the way i took it though is like the the date that happens in this movie like it started off really well like mm-hmm. there was a good rapport and you figure that that came from the letter. There was an understanding. And she had even said, and she was even helping with the food, wiping his mouth. You right. felt, wow, this is going really well until there came a part where it started not to go on well. Mm-hmm. And boy, did it unravel very uncomfortably. If you're an audience member, if you were like, you felt as if you were in the restaurant watching this go down and uh. it went down and, flames and hot coffee and yes, it, it was it was well that character was never to be seen again and no, she literally had one scene uh, yep and it was a painful scene i thought yeah yeah and then philip gets into his own head mm-hmm. and he blames dell for forcing him to make the date and the call and he morally he fires him Yep. And this is leading to our end. And but I felt end of second act. Jeez. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was harsh. Like it really wasn't like, come on, man. Like you can't blame him. It was misplaced for, anger. Right. Misplaced frustration. And you did send him away. You could have said, no, nah, you know what? It's probably best if he stays. Mm-hmm. Um it was misplaced anger. And you felt the regret after the firing. And you're like, okay, what's going to happen now? Now we come to the third act and our passage of time. <laughs> that That is that ticked off so by a beard. so not clearly... No. I mean, because <clears throat> at the beginning of the film, literally said six months earlier. Right. They gave us a clear time yes. table limitation. And then this one, now you're trying to fix, figure out, is it another six months later? Who knows? Right. And you're trying to figure out... You learn that Dell... Opened up a wheelchair, an electronic business. wheelchair business, mm-hmm. like where he uh, builds these things for hospitals because he has a bit of experience. Um, Philip grows a beard, and he, he like Yvonne also left. Yvonne uh, leaves. So in order to start a business, oh, and and Dell also puts his family into a house, into another house. So yeah. he must have been making a ton of money because. To open a business, to get a house, you know, he had all this seed money. He must have done really well. A decent house, right? right? So that's a long path. I was like going, but it didn't, it seemed, the movie made it seem like months when it probably should have been like, at the very least, a year and a half. Right. (laughs) You know? Um it was a long beard. It was, and which is also, you know, a, a it is funny, beard. and it is a callback to a really long joke that they had, and like because Philip was so against beards, right? And then he ironically grows a beard. Yeah, yeah, and then 
Um, the physical, it was the physical therapist who sought out, who seeked out Dell mm-hmm. and says, listen. She played a great role. She was good. Yeah. She she was really good, too. I like that actress. Um, I can't think of her name right now, please. No disrespect, but she was very good. Yeah. Um, and then Dell goes back and, you know, we fix everything up. Everything ends up, with, you know, nicely tied up in a bow because even Nicole Kidman, Yvonne comes back. Mm-hmm. They realize that they actually, Phil and, and Yvonne realize they're meant for each other. And yet, since the whole movie, it was partly predicated on finding that idea. We obviously know that Dell found the idea to do the wheelchairs, but mm-hmm. you would have thought that that would have come up in conversation. Like, like, like Philip. Hey, I know how to build things. Get what I did. Right. You know, and I thought like that further bonds the relationship because I, I would assume that that character would go, Tell, that's an amazing idea. And you did it all in your own, man. Like, right, like he can build actual equipment. Because sure. when you walked into the his Philip's bedroom for the first time and pointed out the <clears throat> mobile and all that, like he has an eye for for yeah. technology and yeah. actually building. Yeah, and but I just wish it, I wish that that fruition was recognized by Philip. Like the the way the movie ends, Philip doesn't necessarily know what Dell's been up to these few weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. Few weeks, but you know what I'm saying. I, I thought that would have enhanced and maybe made the relationship stronger. Um, and and as we learn, um, the relationship did go on. Well, after the events that take place in the movie, that they right. remain friends. The third act was but it was, was quicker sort of than the first and second. Like the yeah. third act was really wrapped up in about fifteen minutes. Yeah, if and you I think about it. Think you said it best at the top of the show. It lost momentum. It lost momentum. Yep, it really did. It, it kind of just quickly wrapped. Yep, and it made the movie meh. At like, the end, I mean, yeah. you don't want to leave on a film where like. It was going so strong and then just kind of tapers off. Yeah. I felt I wanted – it missed out on that great crowd-pleasing, tear-like, very, like, happy, emotional ending uh, that other movies like An Instant Family or The Green Book had. I, I had hoped that some of that would be here and it never reached those heights. It never peaked. It, it almost peaked paragliding. too soon. And I think that was just, like – just the peak of the, and the climax of their characters is that Dell finally gets um, Philip back to quote unquote his old ways, he, right. enjoying life again, paragliding because that was the accident that caused him sure. to be quadriplegic. So, like, really coming full circle just in character development wise. Right. It hit that, but it didn't hit emotionally. Nay, nay. No, I agree. And let's talk about the paragliding scene because that was a scene that's showcased in the trailer. In the trailer yeah. And I was you like all through the movie, funny. when is this coming up? <laughs> right. Like did they chop it out? Because it literally the... shows up right. at the end of the movie. When we got to the scene, I was like, oh yeah, I did see this in the trailer. <laughs> right. That's right. So <laughs> I had I had a conscious moment. I was like, oh yeah, here it is. Yeah. Well, now that we've talked about the end of this movie, the middle and the beginning, and we've talked about the original I think it's time for us to wrap up. Yeah. I mean, how much more We're going to glide out of here. Yeah, we're going to glide up here. We're going to leave on an upside. (laughs) So um, your final thoughts on the movie? Overall, enjoyable. I say people should go watch it or also watch On Tishubli. You got it, Marissa. Yeah, I messed that up. Um, Watch that first or watch it second. And like, I don't know, watch it both because I'm very... This movie did a good enough job for me 
to be curious about the original. Sure. And the original story. And, and now I, I want to watch the, the first version. And I encourage people to watch uh, the original, read the book, read books, read books too. Reading books is, is important, as uh, also as important as seeing movies. But mm-hmm. if you see the original, uh, go get yourself a little culture other than the yogurt that you're eating right now. Uh, so I say do that. Go see this version. You won't hate it. Uh, you might even probably like it more than, say, me. And that's okay. Um, but you'll have a good time. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, there we go. I think we've talked to Julia. What are your parting parting words? Did we encourage you to maybe check out the English U.S. Virgin? Uh, yeah, I think I will. I think you guys did a good job. I'm definitely, I'm curious now. So I'm going to go watch it. And you know what? You can't make up your mind until you see something. This so uh, I definitely need to go see it for myself. I have one last question for you yes. guys. Just because mm-hmm. I was looking at some numbers here. The French version um, had a budget of $10.8 million and then grossed at the box office $412.9 million. Yeah. That's pretty big, if you ask it's, me. Are we thinking the same thing for the American not version? Even Heck close. no. No. And, and They're lucky I, if they cross 40. And I think part of the reason for choosing to remake that movie is because of its international appeal. Um, mm-hmm. It was, I believe, France's highest grossing movie. Uh, this movie, look, because I think of its turmoil, everything that it took to get it up on screen, uh, that definitely is going to hurt it when you release a movie like this. Uh, in January, it's more January is like a dumping grounds because the holidays are over. Um, it can't compete with bigger movies. STX wasn't gonna, can't afford to throw the money in to, to market the movie properly. I think it was released at the perfect time, right out of the holidays. It's still crowd families can enjoy this, sure. Yeah, and it, it's not offensive. I mean, it's just very, yeah. this is a very vanilla movie. That shouldn't offend anybody, and people will walk out going, "Yeah, it was good." Right? You can bring teenagers to yeah. this film, maybe not kids. I there was a kid sitting next to me. I was like, "Dude, you are too young to be watching this film." Yeah, I um, just yeah, I, I just think that uh, it's it didn't know it's not even going to come close to those grosses. Uh, but as I said earlier, I think STX is thumping their chest. They had a number one picture. Uh, so, you know, they continue to have a slate for the rest of the year. I think the upside will do really well in home entertainment and streaming and digital. So it'll have a life, but not not, not as the nearly life well as that, that it had. No, no. So good question, though, uh, and good research on that. Um, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. I don't think this was. And also this one doesn't thing. feel original. No, it doesn't. The French one did. I I'd imagine when the French one came out in 2011, that's a whole nother generation ago. Sure. Um, so when that came out, that felt original. Yeah. Even from then, we had, there was another movie that this reminded me of, You're Not You. Right. Which is Hilary Swink and Emmy Rossum. Sure. Another story about uh, paraplegic, but right. only because she was suffering from ALS. But it's, right. a, it's a relationship story of two unlikely pairing. Yeah. Um, you know, dealing with this life situation yeah so it's not original no and i think that's why a lot of people might not go see it yeah and i you know i it being in january i think the movie has peaked but i think it'll stick around because people are enjoying it with an a on cinema score so there you have it um hey stay tuned for more anatomy of a movies um you know uh you know a movie that nobody's talking about uh opened up this weekend called uh this little movie called glass 
um, which is a sequel to a trilogy. Uh, we'll be doing that. We have Academy Award nominated pictures. We actually have the nominations are coming out uh, the next Tuesday. Yeah. So uh, we've it's got plenty there. of award nominations, uh, nominated movies to discuss prior yeah. to the awards. We have Vice, the favorite, um, if Bill Street could talk. So we do have some more Academy movies Absolutely. To, to catch up on because we are just coming out of the holidays. Yeah, and then we go into February. Yeah. I mean, we're already... We're there. We're, we're ending January already. It's the first time I've seen you. Mm, I know. I know. <laughs> so, Crazy. Uh, well, in any case, folks, please, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning us in. Uh, if you like this show, we've got a whole library of show. We are your movie-going companion. So check us out. If a movie's on Blu-ray and streaming nine out of ten times, we've done a show for it. Check us out. Watch the movie. Watch Anatomy of a Movie. Tell us what you think. We love to hear your comments. Marissa, where can people find you? Everyone can follow me at Serafini TV. And I'm on the Twitters at DMovies1701. We look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great time at the movies, folks. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principal.